Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome everybody to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. I'm Megan. I'm Derek. And I'm Jennifer. And uh, this, so you're actually just started a three-week series. Derek's doing his first preaching series. Yay! Woohoo! Well, I do, I do it in Z Youth, but this is my first one for the actual church as a whole. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. So you get stuck with me for three weeks. Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> So uh, before we get in, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, when you were working through it, uh, kind of what led you to what you were, what you're talking about the next three weeks. And, and again, we pre-record this. And so we're talking as if the sermons already happened, but it, it's going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so the gist of it is when I, when I sat down and reflected on the, like the last eight months, we've kind of done a shift in how we, uh, changing culture, changing how we, uh, sermon prep, changing how we like look at scripture and then how we present that to the to the general congregation. And so I I just looked at the past eight months and I just thought, you know, man, we covered a lot. Like there's just yeah. a lot of topics, a lot of stuff that if you were a Christian and you sat down, it would seem like it's almost overwhelming the amount of stuff you have to do to be a Christian. Yeah. And so then I just was asking myself, what would, you know, what is God trying to tell me? And it felt like he was leaning me towards this fact that Christian, the simplicity found in Christianity, that it's not as difficult as we make it seem and that there's a, a simple underlining thought and idea to it. And so that's kind of what this sermon was about. And the the kind of the tagline or the title is kind of Jesus plus nothing. And so meaning you don't need anything besides Jesus. Uh, now, still. Jesus means a lot. Like there's a lot of yeah. things that Jesus means, but that you can simplify it down to that. So. Well, and I think that's one of the dangers um, within that people have is sometimes we hear the word Jesus plus nothing. And you'll have some people who take it. It's true. You don't need anything but Jesus for salvation. But there are some people who think they don't need to do anything else as part of being a Christian. And and I know that's, you know, we've, we talked about that in sermon read through is that is one of the dangers that takes place. Um, you know, we, we just finished the God is series where we went through the Lord's prayer and I'd love to hear, was there any, was there a particular part of the Lord's prayer during the God is series that really stood out to any of you? I know for me, the kingdom one was a really big one for me, but the one that hit me the most was walking through the authority piece. Um, even just doing the study on what does authority look like in the life of the believer and where does our authority come from? That, that personally kind of hit me. How about you guys? Was there one part of the God is series that really stood out for you? I think for me, I was just, um, I'm really reminded how powerful that prayer is Yeah, that it's not just something that we recite that actually we can pray that. And, and if we're being sincere and, and acknowledging what is all behind that, that's hefty. Yeah. That's a hefty prayer. So I think for me, it was more just an appreciation for the Lord's prayer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd agree. As a whole, it was just a good reflection. I especially liked the hallowed be your name one. Um, just anytime I think you get to reflect on. God and how wonderful and holy he really is. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a special thing to think about. Uh, but yeah. And it's not really a word that we use all the time. Hallowed. No. 
As in carved out? Yeah. <laughs> Not hollowed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all I think. Hollowed out your name. Hollow- Wait, that's not right. <laughs> so I would actually build mine off of Jennifer's. And I would say, if you if you truly look at each and each breakdown of the uh, Lord's Prayer, the uh, the submitting to his authority or his kingship, I don't think we're ready for that. Like, I think most, if people truly understand what it means to submit your life to to God, I don't think most of us can pray that prayer, like, honestly. And so that's why there's almost like this, uh, I don't know, like this, you know, God, I'm going to do my best to try this. And I I do believe this, but man, I'm going to struggle at it because this is a hard one. Uh, So that would be mine. For me would be that one which is why it's such an awesome prayer because it was like jesus knew these were the things we would need yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and i think i think about over the last eight months and i that's part of one of the things i'm excited about for this series that this three-week series that you're doing derek is um you know we've gone through the beatitudes we talked about being unconvenienced and how the beatitudes are a challenge for us and it's weird to think it's been eight months like this year is flying by this summer i can't believe we're almost done with summer already um, so th- th- let's, let's dig in to where you're going for this, this next week. Now you, part of the Jesus plus this week was the, the community side of it is that Jesus has called us to being a part of community. Um, when we think about the nature of God and, and there's a whole Trinity aspect that I don't even think you got into, at least not mm-hmm. in sermon read through, uh, where the Trinity is God has been in perfect community with himself. And I think one of the things that I used to think was like, God needed us. That's why he created us. He was lonely. He was like, I'm bored. I need some people to entertain me. <laughs> and, and yet what we find is scripture says that he's always, he's always been in perfect community. Um, this idea of the, the gospel, part of the gospel, if you were to define the gospel, Derek, uh, in a simple, easy way, and I realize it's a very difficult question, but I'd love to hear each of you. How, what is the gospel for each of you? Because the community, you kind of weave that into the message. You were talking about what the gospel is and, and then that ultimately we're being brought into this community aspect. But how would, how do each of you, how would you approach the gospel if you were to try and explain it in an easy in possible? A 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, I, I think it's just forgiveness and newness and reconnection with God. Like to me, that's, that, I don't know, that Christ died, was that rose again, died for me, died yeah. for every, all humanity, that he sits on, you know, the right hand of the father and that um, we have all power and authority through him. Like that's, that's a lot actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of it as the, literally the story of Jesus. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but from beginning to end who Jesus is and was, and is for us still today yeah. is the whole gospel message of yeah, dying for us and what that means and represents in our lives as Christians. Yeah. So I think we're going to all all have a little bit of the, the cross in there because that's what we're going to be talking about next week uh, in the actual sermon is going to be all about uh, the cross. But for me, if I'm going to summarize it in one sentence, I would say uh, kind of sin broke us, broke us apart from God. And the gospel is uh, God's redemptive story. It's, mm-hmm. it's what he chooses to bring us back into relationship with him through Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross. Uh, that's kind of how I would that that would be the gist of it. Obviously, there there's it's it's more complicated because there's also it's our witness, it's our yeah. taking yeah. that gospel and sharing it with the world. But what you're sharing is is that loving sacrifice that that Jesus did on the cross, 
and what that meant for us. And so it, it like everything, you can complicate it out, but the, the, ju- the gist of it would be his redemptive action to bring us back into relationship. I, uh, I'm reading a book by a guy named N.T. Wright. He's a, he's a theologian and scholar. And the book is about what the gospel is. And he makes this comment. He says, too often we confuse the good news with good advice. Mm-hmm. And that, that we think the gospel is just, here's advice for living, advice for being a better person, advice for how to a happy life, whatever it might be. Or even, even advice on how to be right with God. And that's not news. And uh, as I've been reading that, I was thinking about it. You know, one of the things that you talked about uh, in the sermon read-through and, and approached on Sunday is that it's hard to comprehend how big God is. And we've kind of lost touch with that, that idea of the awesomeness of God. And I think for me, part of the gospel, if I were to sum it up myself, and they, these do connect, is ultimately, I believe the gospel summed up in, in three words that Paul said, Jesus is Lord. And the gospel is... When sin entered, it was us saying, you are not God, you're not Lord, I am. I want to be Lord. I want to be king. I want to be master. And the gospel is declaring, no, the Lord is, the real king has come. And he's going to fix everything. And that there's so much in with all of that. And he does that through the death and resurrection. He does that through his second coming. Um, but the other part is, I think there is an element of the gospel when we're reminded that if God isn't awesome, the gospel isn't either. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like if, if I can't, if I can fathom how big God is, if I can fathom how amazing his love is, if it's something that I can grasp, then it's not big enough. It means that I really have, I don't have a very big gospel. And I think, I think that's part of the problem we have in culture today is they don't see God as big and awesome. Therefore, the gospel is not big and awesome. Um, And to me, that's, that's what I was hoping that I'm hoping this series will come to that conclusion is that it's okay that God is, that God is big, that God is awesome. But what we need to realize is that that complexity doesn't fall on us. Is yeah. that you know it's he's supposed to be complex, but our part in it, our inv- invitation into it, is more simple. Yeah. And I and I hope there's not a confusion there because that's a difference than being a complacent Christian or somebody yeah. that doesn't want to move where God says move. But that is a big difference between saying I need to do all of these things in order to receive God, to receive salvation, receive whatever whatever that is. I think that's the difference. I'm hoping we come across or that we get across here is that God is big. That's okay. But our, I don't want to say expectations, but our, our end of it is not, doesn't have to be that complex. It can yeah. be more simplistic. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, it makes me wonder as far as like, when we talk about the good news of Jesus, the gospel, this idea of Jesus plus, and part of, and then we got, I got to tell you, we laughed a lot when you went through that list of all the things of Jesus plus. And I was only offended by some of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was all about the length of sermons. It's fine. It's fine. I get it. I get it. Um, but I think sometimes the the reason why the gospel is so hard is because it is so simple. Like the, the complex thing is that God became flesh. That's complex. I can't fathom that. The complexity is that God somehow could fix the problem of sin through the death of Jesus, he could do what only he could do. We can't fix that gap, but he could. That's complex. But the belief part, that's simple. And I think that's hard for people because as much as people say they 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 have a hard time believing, and I, I've had conversations where part of the reason why they can't become Christians is this one simple thing of putting faith in Jesus. They can have faith in themselves. I've, I've talked to people who, they have the idea of that if they could earn their salvation, they'd be more apt to want to believe that. 
that if they did just enough right, enough right things that that would do it. But the idea that it's just about faith is too hard. But if they realize that if it was earning your salvation, that none they of us couldn't. would get it. None of us could get there because, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's like that in The Good Place. I think we showed that clip about a year and a half ago, two years ago, in one of the sermons where at The Good Place, the show, the very first episode is they do the way, the scales and everything. You get like three points if you recycle, you lose negative four if you're a fan of like, I don't know. The Packers. The Packers, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to you out there. Um, so let, let's talk about that real quickly. Um, when, we, when you think about this idea of Jesus plus nothing, what are some of the things, I mean, you made a big list of things that were funny, but they were also true. What are the things that sometimes we add as expectations that it's supposed to be Jesus plus these things that makes you a good Christian or that makes you saved? What are some of the things that come to mind for you guys? I think even the fact that there's such a thing as a good Christian, quote yeah. unquote, like that in and of itself is an expectation of performance. Yeah. And so if I fail at any of these, now I'm not a good Christian. Yeah. And now that's shame and I don't feel good enough and I don't feel like the father loves me enough. And it's the spiraling of understanding that it's not a performance for God. Yeah. That's one. And that's an interesting one because when we think about that shame element of am, am I good enough or what can I do? I think, I think so often we either have too high of estimation of our value or not enough. And it's that middle ground. Like sometimes some people just think they're the scum of the earth are worth nothing. And yet you're still an image bearer of God. Um, but at the same point, we can do nothing to earn our salvation. There is that, there's that very fine line in there. I understood it when your original question of Jesus plus what is good. My mind does go to all of the things that I'm not good at, that I yeah. tend to struggle yeah. with. And that's where, and then it brings on the shame and guilt. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's not the point. Let's go ahead. I was just going to say one thing I, one thing for me in my Christian walk, um, and I wish I had been told to me a little bit differently, but one area where I've, the Jesus plus is like quiet time. All right. Well, when you're a mom and you have littles and they literally depend on you to yeah. live, like having quiet time with Jesus is really difficult. Yeah. And um, so I think for me, that's one of like Jesus plus the amount of attention I give him. You know, yeah. it's like, no, that's not really, you know, like it's important for our Christian walk. Um, but it's still, it's still Jesus plus nothing for salvation. Well, it almost makes Jesus seem insecure. Like if you're not spending enough time with him, like his feelings are hurt and he's like, oh no, Jason's not spending enough time with me. And then he gets mad at me because I'm like, Jesus is pretty secure. Well, but, and also <laughs> then that leads back to not feeling good about yourself. Yeah. So it's like, well, either I'm not a good mom because I'm dedicating time to the Lord, or I'm not a good Christian because yeah. I'm taking care of my children, or I'm not a good wife because somehow you also have to have time for that. Like. It's a spiral even yeah. just to, to do some of those things. So, so for me, that's what I kind of like Jesus plus how much scripture you read in a day. Well, so we used to, I remember, um, cause the big thing was scripture memorization and I've always struggled with scripture memorization. I know general ideas. So if somebody quotes something, I'm like, yeah, that's Romans. Don't ask me where in Romans or I can give you a gist. And like, there was a badge of honor, like, oh, I've got 40 verses memorized. And there was a big, I, I remember that even in my twenties and thirties, like, that was the sign of maturity is how much scripture you have mm. memorized. Satan has lots of scripture memorized. Yeah. You can memorize scripture and completely miss Jesus, which is for me, I actually don't like the term good Christian because I don't think there's good or bad. I think there's degrees of health. There are healthier Christians and there are unhealthy Christians because only God is good. I mean, that's the whole thing when they call him good teacher. And he's like, why do you call me good? Only God is good. 
Um, and I've tried to stay away from that language of good Christian versus bad Christian, because wh- where's the line? Yeah. Is it how do you judge what a good Christian is? Uh, and yet on the flip side, there's that we can also fall into that complacency. And uh, Derek, when you were when you were walking through that, I mean, I know you wrote down, but what was kind of going through your head as you were kind of processing through all the things that people sometimes associate with being a Christian that they mistake as this is what salvation means? Well, it's a mixture of a bunch of things. So at the beginning of the list, I started with like very real things like baptism, confirmation, like stuff that we uh, do as 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 Christians, as Lutherans, as whatever it is, like stuff that are very real within the church. And then I started to get more sarcastic, more funny as I went along. And they did but get funny. All of all of those things that were sarcastic were either something I have thought at some point or that I've had either somebody complained about to me or it was just something that I'd overheard. And so all of it came from a place of uh, where people are feeling some this. Truth. Like some, there are some truth to no matter joke, like even the Holy Ghost joke. Like there, I've heard kids that when I talk to them, they're like, you guys believe in ghosts? And so it's like one of those things, like, even though to me that seems silly right now, it was a very real question to them. Yeah. Like, and so all of them came from a place of, uh, of truth. But what's interesting, I think uh, when Jennifer, when you were talking about like the, the shame aspect, the, the, the interesting thing about that is all these extra things that scripture has us do is generally for our own health and well-being. For our benefit. And yet we... Yeah. I don't want to say we twist it, but it gets twisted yeah. and then it it's used as shame. It's used as uh, all of negativity or used whatever it is. And we hold this standard that I don't feel like it was meant for for that. Uh, there, It's okay to wrestle through it. It's okay to not understand it, to not have all the tension, like to be in that tension, to wrestle with it. Yeah. Uh, you see Paul wrestle with it. You see uh, Luther ref, uh, wrestles with it. Like all these, all these people, there's just, I don't know. I always feel good when I when I see other uh, leaders wrestle with it because I'm like I'm not alone. Like yeah. I str- like everyone struggles with this uh, idea of being a a good enough Christian or being yeah. you yeah. know that you have it all figured out. In reality, we don't. Like to me, I even ask myself the question. Like this is what I ask myself, and this is a very real one. Okay, and I hope it doesn't get us too far off track. But if I truly believe that Jesus did all the things that I say that He did. Like that the scripture says that he does. And I truly do submit to him as Lord and Savior. How is that not having more impact on my life? Yeah. And I know that's the same yeah. thing as asking myself, yeah. am I doing enough? But that's how I word it to myself is that idea of like, if I truly why believe I this, doing? why am I not doing everything? Why am I not standing out on the corner yelling God's name to everyone? Why am now, I healing people? Yeah, like that would be weird if I was just standing out there yelling at people about God. But it's one of those things like, why am I not doing everything? Yeah. Why did I watch four hours of television last yeah. night? Or, you know, whatever it is yeah. when I could be pursuing him. And so uh, that's what I struggle with. And I know it's not, it's not, it's not the same thing you're struggling with, but it's the, it's that same mentality, I think. Yeah. And to kind of on what both of you guys were saying too, of the other thing about having a good Christian quote unquote, is that if I do these things, kind of like what you were saying with the scripture memorization, I could still miss Jesus, yep. which is really dangerous. So you can, so I can tithe and I can read my Bible and I can serve and I can do all these things and still miss Jesus. Yeah. Well, and Jesus even says at one point, there are those who are going to like, didn't I do, didn't yeah. I do, didn't I do? And Jesus is going to like, yeah, but I don't know you. Like you did these things, but you didn't do them because you knew me. You did them because you thought somehow they impressed me. Yeah. 
And I think that's I think that's kind of the lie or the trick in the quote unquote good Christian. Yeah. When I was younger and and it took several years to kind of I want to say almost beat it out of me. I was afraid to say the words I don't know. Like there was a shame. So when people asked me questions, I felt like I had to have answers for everything. And uh, and I remember my my first when I finished my bachelor's degree uh, at Northwestern. I was pretty arrogant and pretty cocky. And a lot of it was the stuff that I had read were things that I was already reading. And I went into the, my master's program and I just got my tail handed to me. And I started realizing I, there's so much I don't know. And I remember at one point there was this, I had a professor and he had like two PhDs. One was in Romans, Romans chapters one through seven. That was all his PhD was in, was seven chapters of Romans. That's crazy. And so I asked him this question and this, it threw me for a loop. I'm like, so it was, a, it was a question about the book of Revelation. I'm like, so what do you do with this? He's like, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? You have two PhDs. He's like, yeah, but one's in Romans, the other's in like ancient Greek language. And I'm like, well, but you should have an opinion. He goes, no, I don't, I don't really have an opinion. I'm like, how can you, you're so educated. And he's like, no, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> but it was, that was a shame for me. I had associated being good enough with having enough with knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. And it was uh, that my security was not rooted in my identity in Jesus. It was my ability to perform a task for Jesus. Just based on what you guys were all saying, it brought an image into my head where if we were all standing in front of Jesus and I could go through the list, like I did this, I did this, I did this. And Jesus would look at me and say like, I love you. And then like, you know, Jennifer, you could be like, well, I didn't get to this. I didn't get to this, but I did this. I, you know, I, I love, and he'd be like, Jennifer, I love you. Like, it's, it's so funny that we put such a emphasis on what we do. And in his eyes, it's, it's not, I don't think it would be that same way. I don't think he would see us that same way. Well, and on the flip side, so as you're saying that I had the opposite, which is when we come with shame, Jesus, these are the things that I did. Like not in a good sense. Here's, and he still looks and he goes, and I love you. And I love you. Like he says it both ways. And that's the security is that it's not about that. That's, that was a great image. Um, You actually, you talked about kind of three Three themes that you're going to be hitting on over the next the next couple of weeks. So this week was community. Um, tell us a little bit about the next two weeks without getting too much into them, because I know you're going to be preaching on them. But how did those kind of play out? And, and I know you had read a book yeah. that kind of brought about this. So the book is, um, uh, what is it? Moral Testament or no. What is it? Oh, no, I can't remember. But the, the book that I read was all about it was taking the, the was, whole Moral view of scripture or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Moral view of the New Testament. Yeah. Moral view of the New Testament, I think, by Richard Hayes. I believe that's his name. Yeah. Anyway, and so the it is a really good book. I know I can't remember the title, but it is a really good book. But anyway, <laughs> it's what it did was is it took new the New Testament scripture and it looked at every single book, all 27 uh, books of the New Testament, and it basically said, Is there is there a common witness, a common uh like theme that every single book of the New Testament offers or says. And he pulls out three of them. And why this was important to me at the time is because com- like Christianity is so complex that yeah. it was just helpful for me to, to zoom out a minute and just look at it through those lenses. And now it's important to say is that those aren't the only three things that you can find. Like, I think in my sermons that I'm going to be doing, uh, I talk about love as, as, as one of them. Like, yeah, you can't read the New Testament without at least feeling a little bit of God's love and love for others. Like, literally, that's in there. And then the other one is, I think, liberation's a big one where it's like, there's, it's hard to read the Old Testament without at least thinking about being free, set free from sin, set free from Egypt, set free from Babylon, um, 
Rome, whatever it is, it's hard not to see an idea of liberation. Yeah. But that's not something that, what his argument was is that you don't find that in every single book. And so these three are the three that he thought at least had some element of it in each one. Even like uh, Philemon, which is like one page, he said these three elements are kind of there. And so the next one is uh, the cross, which is... Yeah, I would agree. Like, it would be hard to (laughs) talk about the New Testament, uh, the gospel, or whatever it is, without at least talking about the cross. And it's not just the cross, but the resurrection, the power associated with that, and then what that means as... And what's, what's cool about it, and we'll get to it next week, is how community builds into the cross, and then how both of them then... Uh, are a part of new creation, that they build, the order is important and they do build off of one another. And so, and then the final one is that new creation, which is the one I'm most excited for because I think it's, you can tackle that shame very, it's it's a good way to tackle that shame is that idea of how are we being formed uh, like Christ? How do we have this spiritual formation on our hearts? When we do all these things, what are they supposed to be doing and what is God working in us? And it's just a cool, I don't know, it's a, it's a cool ride a cool trip that uh we get to go on over the next few weeks and so that's myself that's awesome do you um so like this week again we talked about community was there one aspect for you and we actually had this in sermon read through so i didn't grow up with a big family i mean it was really just my mom and i and so when i became a christian the church became my family and i think the rest of you have pretty decent sized families and and part of our conversation we had read through was how Sometimes how your, your own experiences influence how you view church community and the role of church. Um, when you were talking through, you had all the different examples that you talked about why community matters. Um, was there one that for you really kind of impacted you the most as you, were, as you were walking through those different aspects of what the importance of church community is? Um, I mean, I liked a lot of them, but to me, the one that I really like is the uh, unity, the, uh, there's diversity in unity. Yeah. This idea that, uh, God's kingdom isn't just people like that are just like you. They're not the same maturity level. They're not the same race. They're not the same language. They're not like Christianity is all over the world. It's in every country. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. Like it's so much bigger than just, you know, all of us people here at Zion. Like, no, that's my that's my close-knit one right here. But the, the family of God is so much bigger than that, so much grander than that. And the fact that, you know, God celebrates that diversity. He celebrates that uniqueness, that that mm. that everything that makes us different, he finds a value in. It's not the I mean, not everyone provides the same thing, but there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. There's celebration in that fact that we all bring something different. If you look at everyone here at the table, we all have our own skill sets. We all have our own uh, level of uniqueness and the way God made us special. And to me, that that is such a cool way to look at uh, community, is yeah. that there is value in that. To piggyback off of that, I love that I can sit next to someone with opposing political beliefs yeah. or someone that did grow up very different from me and yet we find common ground and camaraderie and just fellowship together because of Jesus. We have at least one thing in common and therefore we can be best friends because the rest doesn't really matter because he made us unique and different. Our minds are different. We think differently and all of that when we work together, that's what is beautiful. Have you ever have you ever been talking to somebody that you didn't know and you could just so tell you're like they're a Christian. You just know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you you find out and you're like, no way. And it's a, there's an instant connection. Yeah. It's I, I wonder because this whole idea of a homogenized, everybody has to look the same. 
I think for centuries, that's how most churches were. Lutherans hung out with Lutherans. Like, I mean, even in some denominations, uh, there's a denomination called the Reformed uh, Reform Movement. You had Reformed Church of America and uh, a CRC, Christian Reformed, and they had this huge split in the 1800s, and it was all about education. And when I say a huge split, like families divided, entire towns divided, and I'm, I'm like, you want to talk about a bad witness for Jesus when we're supposed to be the united people and we can't even get along with each other. Yeah. And now I think about I think about Zion and I would say most of our people weren't raised Lutheran. We have a I would say most of the people that I talked to didn't grow up going to Lutheran church. Now we still have a lot of Lutherans, but we have people who come from Baptist backgrounds, non-denominational, Presbyterian, Catholic. And I think that's a rather new phenomenon in the history of church. Because before it was you were Catholic or you were Protestant, and, and think about all the wars that were fought over that, and that's not to a good credit for the church. There was one or two churches in your town, and depending on where you were, country you were from, that's where you went. Yeah. And that you wasn't had, that long ago that that was Like, in the scope normal. of things, it was it was 60 years ago, 70 yeah. years ago, yeah. Well, and I, I think about, like, we're celebrating 150 years next year. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? 150 years of ministry for this church, and the old building is now an ice cream shop. The original Zion Church is actually, I don't even think that's original. I think that was moved well, that was over just, here. That was one of the buildings. One yeah. of the buildings. And now it's an ice cream shop. <laughs> you talking about cookies, etc. cetera? No. Oh. Uh, the little it, white church kind of on 8th Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah. It used to be one of our buildings. I didn't know that. Yep. I've so, also yet to have ice cream there. That'll, it's that's actually really good. That's probably not the 150 year old building, but no, but it's <laughs> but I, they, it is one of the it is oh, one of them. Yeah. It was brought over, but I think about that unity. You're right, Derek. I think um, what makes the body of Christ beautiful is that we are unique, including our uniqueness of our own kind of foibles and things that make us unique. Like we all have our garbage and we all bring it. There's that old adage: uh, the church was perfect until I got there, <laughs> and and I think that's there is there's a beauty in community. How about for Esty? Was there one that that for you, or maybe it's not even on this list, but one part of community that really stood out for you? Uh, I think for me, it's the richness that can occur in yeah. in um, in community. Like I think people who haven't okay, I'm just gonna use an example. I have a friend of mine, and she really hadn't. She she's been a Christian her whole life, but she really hadn't been in like Christian community well. And um, we were doing a group together, and she was like. I'm sad that that my life, like I haven't spent my life doing this because mm. this is so wonderful. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's just the richness. Now there's a lot of baggage associated with group, like with community too. But at the same time, um, it really can be a, a just a safe haven for restoration. And I think sometimes people miss out on that. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite verses that describes community, I think it's in second Corinthians. Um, but it's talking about we as Christians carry Jesus's death with us in us. It's a part of us. And with that is all of our own sin and shame mm-hmm. and guilt and all of the achiness that we feel. We know what that's like on the inside, but we have Jesus in us and he kind of filters that and cleans yeah. it up. The aroma of Christ. And as as and then we reflect what people see in us is Jesus. They shouldn't see the garbage and yuck that is also a part of us but they see Jesus and so when we look at others we can see Jesus in them as well but then in the back of your mind knowing but they have their own stuff that they're going through and struggling with and I think that's where community is really great because you get to uh, see I guess inside other people and know what makes them them 
and see then the end result of that Jesus is the one that shines through. Yeah. I think, I think that, go ahead. That was, uh, I don't know if you can say this about yourself. One of my favorite points that I made. <laughs> you know, one of the points that I made on Sunday, which was really awesome. So one of the things I talked about, how about that? Uh, is this idea is that sometimes, uh, sometimes we're the people that really need community around us. Like we're the ones yeah. struggling, but then there's also times where we need to be that community for other people. And I, I just love that relationship that we all need it and we all rotate through it. There, I'm never always good. Like there's not, there are some days where I'm going to struggle where I need my brothers and sisters around me yeah. to pull me up. But then on the flip side, that means sometimes I got to step out and I have to be that community for somebody else. And so, yeah. I don't know. I just really like that notion, that idea. I'm, I'm reading this book right now by uh, Henry Cloud and uh, Townsend. Henry, I don't remember Townsend's first name. Uh, it's called Safe People. And phenomenal book. It's been encouraging to read because it's, it's all about how do we find safe people in our life? What do safe people look like? Why are we drawn to unsafe people? And I could get into all the, the stuff having to do with that. But one of the things he talks about is Safe people understand that they need people. We were created to need people. And unsafe people make you feel ashamed for needing people. And I remember not too long ago, I had somebody who made a comment to me. And for me, community's always been an important part for me. Like I, that's how I survived in the world was through community. And the, the person made a comment to me like, well, that's, that's just an immaturity on you that you need people. No, we all do. And it's easy to say if you if you've got people in your life, but there's no like sometimes the most isolating feeling in the world is loneliness. Right. That you're I think sometimes in community, it's like, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. is, we're, thing. And that's but that's not a weakness. The right. need to recognize a need for community. And I think that's sometimes people think they don't need anybody and then they wear that like a badge of honor. I don't need anybody. And that just shows their own brokenness. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Can I ask Jennifer a question? I'll put her on the spot. <laughs> Uh, so in the sermon read through, I talked about how there's a part of what I wrote where I basically was like, why it's why this is hard, why community is hard is because uh, people are hard, like people are difficult. And she challenged me on it. And she just did a I thought she she just viewed it really well about how Jesus is in work in us and then how we have to then trust like there's risk then being in a relationship with other people. And then we, uh, and how it kind of gets reflected back on us. So could you share that? Because I thought it was awesome. Uh, changed the way I viewed it. So uh, maybe I'm putting you too much yeah. on the spot, but I thought that was pretty good. Do you remember him on all of his many awesome points? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were a lot. The yeah. best points ever. I am, I am the best oh point giver. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just saying, so your comment was people are hard. And that's true, but the hardest person is me. Like we're all our own hardest person. Yeah. And so, and that's because if we're allowing God the access to our heart and space and our lives to work, then what that means is we're being shaped and formed and that's difficult. Yeah. And then we have to portray that in relationships where people are then may or may not be formed, being formed by Christ. And that's difficult. And then as they respond, we have to, we have to take that and, and somehow work with that and be formed by Christ through that. And so it's just this long, um, man, it's, people are hard because we're hard. Yeah. And because if we're doing the hard work of following mm -hmm. Jesus, then it gets harder. Like, I think I meant all of that when I said people were hard. That's yeah, what I, that's, that's actually what that's I meant. Everything she, you meant. Uh, she said it way better, but that's what I meant. Well, I just, I, the older I get and like the harder you follow Jesus, 
the harder it is to follow Jesus. Yeah. Like the harder I'm following after Christ, the more he's doing in my life and the harder yeah. that work is. <laughs> it's so like, it's beautiful yeah. and it's awful at the it's same messy. time. It's messy. It's messy. It's yeah. so, so there's a, uh, there's an artist. He, and I was so bummed. He retired like five, six years ago. This guy named Bebo Norman. And he wrote this song called hammer holds. And if you ever, if you get a chance, if you're listening to this, it's incredibly, first of all, a beautiful song, but the whole thing is it's a journey of this piece of metal that's being formed. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're the piece of metal being formed and the hammering of the, the author who's trying to create. And ultimately it ends up being that what's being formed is the nail that pierces the hands of Christ. And that's us. Wow. And you listen to it and even thinking about it, I get the chills thinking about it. Cause I remember the first time I heard it and I have, I have, I'm one of those people who has visceral responses to certain songs. Like songs get me. There's something about a song that hits me, like the emotion, because when I don't like emotions very much, but when they hit them, I was like, get away. Eh, it's, it's ugly. <laughs> but I remember hearing it the first time and that realization of all of that chiseling, all that stuff that God is doing in us is because I'm the hard one. And that's when Jesus, and we don't, we haven't talked about this yet on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to probably get to it later on in the year. But the hardest part of, and, and the entire Sermon on the Mount, in my opinion, is when Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your own. Like everything else, I think if, if there was one verse that I that's go. That's like the only challenge. That's like the biggest challenge out of yeah. all of it. Because how easy is it for me to sit back and go, oh, you just need to do that better. You just need to do that. And God's like, yeah, if you looked at yourself, and you look at yourself there, Jason, you're not looking very clearly at yourself. Yeah. But if I close my one eye that the log's in, I can still see out of the other one. Until you have two eyes. It's kind of blurry. But... Well, see, that's when you have two logs sticking out oh, of your okay. eyes and you're just running into everything. But, you know, I think that that formation part, but here's the other part that I think is so hard for, at least for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else. Um, sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like I should be further along. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just, shame, shame, yeah, shame. I just turned 46 and I'm like, why am I 46? And I should, I feel like I should be so much further along in this Christian walk as a man of God, as a husband, as a father. And isn't that the lie that the that yeah. same place? And if community's done well, the purpose of community is that no, 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 you're welcome to the club. Or none of us feels more, none of us feels like we should be where we are. And the person who does, well, then he's got a, probably a different. <laughs> either is really secure in his identity in a healthy way, or, or he's really unhealthy, <laughs> or is really unhealthy. <laughs> Um, I do that question all the time. Like, come on, Derek, you're better than this. Yeah. Even though it's real simple and I don't let it have a big effect on me, but I know I hear it. Like I say that to myself, like, yeah. come on, Derek, you know better. Like, and it's like, yeah, that is still shame. Like it's right. Like I, it's not saying that I should, like I should, I, I should know better, but it's also one of those things like I'm growing in this. I'm yeah. walking in this. I'm not, yeah. I'm not perfect. I need to have grace. If I'm supposed to have grace for other people, then I might as well have grace for myself as yeah. well. Well, and it's, it's hard to show grace on somebody else if you can't show it to yourself. Absolutely. And, and on, on the flip side, sometimes it's easier to show grace to other people than it is to yourself because you know your motives. Yeah. Like I think about the times that usually I'm the hardest on somebody is because I show grace because I know how icky I am inside. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'll give it to them because I really hope they'll give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to not do the flip side either. Where I can be mean to Megan because God will forgive me. Like, yeah. oh yeah, like that's the yeah. flip side, which I hope, I hope most of us don't do that. But it's that, especially Megan. Is that why you're mean to me? Yeah, yeah. But there is that. <laughs> I'm not strong, buddy. <laughs> but that is where that complacency comes in. It's like, well, I'm good. Like, I, I think, I think there is a flip side to it. There of, is. Like. You know, or, oh, I don't have, I don't have to worry about that. God's going to forgive me. Or like, I don't know. I, I think that's how we get lazy sometimes. So there is a, it's a, 
it's a balance too. But I think most of us probably lean more towards the, <laughs> I'm think, better than this. I can do better than this. What I think if most people it? are honest with themselves, I have yet to meet a healthy person who doesn't go, yeah, I, I've got areas in my life that I have not surrendered. And I know I should. Yeah. And I know, I even know why I should. Yesterday, so I've been on this diet, right? And I don't like dieting, but sometimes to kind of restart and reset, you just got to do it to kind of reset it. And so yesterday I drove up to the Twin Cities uh, to go look at some shelves for my office and pick up some supplies for Haiti. And I decided, I'm like, today's going to be a cheat day. I'm just, I'm on the road. I don't care. And I just ate garbage. Like I ate so much candy and normally I'm not a big candy guy, but like I could not consume enough of this stuff. I woke up this morning and I'm like, I feel awful. <laughs> like every, I went to the gym at 630, which normally I wake up at six and I got on the treadmill and I'm just, in the entire time while I did it, it felt really good. Eating the candy felt great. And that's when scripture says sin is fun for a season. <laughs> and, and I think Even about a that. 24 hour season. <laughs> yeah. Like literally it was a 24 hour season. And then I woke up this morning and I went, I, now I need to remember this feeling. Well, how often do we have that moment when we do something stupid and then we're, we're caught and we realize I shouldn't have done that. We're so quick to forget. Yeah. Uh, that What's that old hymn, uh, prone to water, wander, prone to water. <laughs> it's a gardening song. <laughs> it's a gardening song. Yeah. The, uh, what's, what's the name of that song? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Yeah. What's the name of the song? Wait. It's an... Yeah. I'm nowhere it's close. I, I have no idea, guys. No, yeah. it's not take. You guys are on your own. Oh, no, okay. I can't believe I Don't you hate that? You you have it. You know what it is. Yeah, and you just, found my vision. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. No. Bless it. No. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to find out right now. You guys keep on talking. I got to figure this out because it's driving me Well, here's out. the thing. When you've sin spiraled, the thing yeah. that gets you out of that spiral is community. It's usually receiving that grace and love and non-judgment from a trusted brother or sister come thou fount of every blessing (laughs) i had a very good point up until google interrupted it can i ask you a question about your point yes please bring us bring us back home how how difficult is it in community to hold your brother and sister accountable or to in love yeah like how do we because that is a part of community is that we're supposed to build each other up, that we're supposed to provide guidance. But a part of that is this level of accountability. But when you're so broken yourself, it's it's sometimes hard to look at somebody else and be like, I'll fix you. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It, does any of you guys struggle with that? Not me. I've, I've got it all figured okay. out. Okay, Megan. <laughs> I think that the other person is struggling. When you are struggling, you don't want to hear feedback. You don't want to hear yeah. anything else from yeah. anyone. And... So it's, it's a challenge. It's a very delicate cycle. I think accountability too. It's So obviously we talk about this in our journey discipleship, but there's invitation and challenge, right? And so part of me challenging you is me having relationships. Part yep. of me bringing you along is that you tr- we trust each other. But part of that trust is built through a season of being vulnerable, holding each other's hearts, yeah, caring for one another, not, yep. not saying things when maybe you could. Yep. Yeah. And so it's done through, that's why it takes so much time. Like you don't, you just don't have, that we have, we have Christian community in the fact that we all are the body of Christ, but there's also another like community where it's like, no, you are doing life with me. You know, my deep equity. Yeah. You have equity. You know, my deep stuff, which in order for you to know my deep stuff, 
we have to do a season of time together because I'm not sharing it with anybody just right right off the bat. And so I think how you do it through accountability with love is through that time and through building that trust. That if you and I are walking together and I, and you have shown that I can trust you, this is another area where I can trust you. And we don't always do it perfectly, and that but that's okay because we'll we'll have the relation the relational equity at that point to go. Yeah, we both suck sometimes. Yeah. Like we get it. And I'll what? even go ahead. And I'll even say like. On that, like my first, and I think Megan and Jason were there, but my first journey experience, I struggled with that because it was supposed to, it was almost like you were supposed to have this immediate trust with everybody. And I'm like, I'm not there. I'm in no way, shape or form ready to dive into this level. So I think it's exactly what you're talking about, how you you do have to have that season of walking with people uh, before you're willing to open up in that, in that level. And so, and I, and I love. I think the scripture I, I, I picked was like, and you're supposed to do it with patience and like yeah. kindness. And it, it can't just Bear be one. one yeah. It can't just be like, oh, I see your sin. Stop it. No, it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know. And so I think I agree completely. Well, and, and I saw one of my best friends. Um, he and I, we've known each other for geez, 13 years now. But we have this, we have a relationship where if we see somebody going off, we can ask the hard question because we've not just gained the equity. But we've also, it's, there's always that one person, I can challenge you, but if you do me, sure. then I'm going to flip out on you. Right. But when you, when, you, when you give it and then all of a sudden you can receive it, it builds trust. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's what people lack is they don't understand how do you gain the equity. The equity is not just time. The equ- equity is experience. Sure. And I think sometimes we assume, well, we've known each other for years. That doesn't mean you've been safe for each other. Right. It's time plus plus safety. Yeah. yeah. And 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 plus and sometimes or when I'm unsafe to come out and say, Hey, I didn't respond the right way, please forgive me. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I actually think back to that, Derek, and, and if, if you're okay with me sharing this. So um I don't know what you're saying. So. <laughs> Go so when we first started journey, so I got I got thrown into teach everybody journey. Nobody knew me. I had to come in and teach this stuff and and Derek and I, that was actually probably our first real conflict. And, and I came in and we had a talk and here's the thing about it, the way Derek handled it, and I hope I handled it equally well, he brought the frustration, we talked, we worked it out and we were fine because we were able to have a hard conversation. It was clear there was conflict there, but because we walked out on the other side of it, not, I didn't feel disrespected. I felt hurt. We may not have agreed with each other, but we, I personally, that was the first step when I think I started learning, oh, you can have conflict. He and I can have conflict together. Some people can't do that. Yeah. And then when those people want to hold you accountable, that's hard because you're like, no, wait a second. Accountability has to go both ways. Um, otherwise, you're playing the role of the Holy Spirit because the only one who yeah. can't hold somebody accountable is we can't hold God accountable. He's God. Um, I was just uh, reading a book, and I don't even remember which one it was. Um, but just it was, say the title incorrectly. That's what I no, I, I read <laughs> a couple on vacation. I don't know which one it came from. Um, but it was talking about just the danger of clergy in particular. Um, because so often we are the ones like hearing the secret or hearing the, the walk and hear or, or walking with someone and it's just, and patients in general. So doctors, therapists, clergy, um, so often they're the ones who are receiving that and helping people walk along that because it's always not appropriate to, to share your side of it, you kind of get pigeonholed where it's like almost like a holier than thou yeah. kind of mentality unintentionally. Where it's like, well, now you don't have anybody to share your stuff with. And now, great. 
like you're supposed, you know, and so I don't really know how that fits in with all this, but it made me think of it. No, it does because there are, I think even a relationship, and this is something we try to do in our staff dynamics. And I remember um, something I've told the staff is if I'm leading sideways, if I do something or say something sideways, I'm giving you permission to call me to talk to me about it. Have the hard conversation. Don't think because of my position that somehow I'm above reproach. Yeah. And, but that's not how all cultures are. And that's not how all people are. And when it comes to the faith stuff, I mean, I, I think about, I had a, um, I had a professor who, um, he poked fun at one of our students, one of the students in class, and he was truly having fun. I'd had this guy before and he's a great professor. Well, this guy didn't know him and he ended up dropping out of school, not just the class, mm -hmm. dropped out of school. That's the whole thing, but didn't tell the professor, never said, Hey, you really hurt me with that comment. And the professor were in class one day and he's like, Hey, so-and-so hasn't been here. And we're like, didn't you not know he dropped out of school? And he actually sent an email to all of us, but not to the professor. And I remember this, and I, his, I won't say his name because I don't know his permission to share the story, but he humbled himself in front of the entire class and said, I really messed up there. And he apologized. He's like, I really wish he would have talked to me because, you know, he didn't know me. And anybody who'd had him, that was kind of his sense of humor. He'd poke fun at you, but in a playful, fun way. And this guy thought he was just making fun of him, but his humility, here's a professor talking to his students and asking his students for forgiveness. And I'm like, dude, I would do just about anything for that guy now Yeah. to, to humble yourself in that level of position. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people in higher positions of authority or whether it be um, maybe not even authority in different positions, doctors. Yeah. It's just, it's the one way sharing. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to connect with. Yeah. It's the one wayness of that. And that's not what community is supposed to be, right. including for whether we're on staff. I mean, that's, I think, unfortunately, some of the leftover from the hierarchy and church of, well, you have the pastor who's the spiritual leader who's supposed to have all of his stuff together. And you want to know why? I mean, I've just, I just read another book right now that's talking about, you know, Bill Hybels was removed from ministry, Mark Driscoll, uh, all these major mega pastors who had one directional leadership. They had no accountability in their life because no one could challenge them. And that's, I think, part of the community is that ability to, to have those hard words with each other in grace and in love, never with condemnation, but it only comes with trust. Yeah. And that trust has to be important. Well, hey, we're coming towards the end. Derek or anybody else, is there any last things that you really want to draw us into as we're finishing up on this community piece? Yeah, I'd say the only thing I'd want to make sure we do is to understand that there are all the good things about a community, about, you know, uh, coming together, the diversity we talked about. But on the flip side is that community done wrong yeah. can be yeah. very harmful. Very yeah. hurtful. If you, break, hurtful. if you break that trust in community, if you are a church that doesn't put a value on, on people, and you can, you can burn through that really quickly, and then you're not reflecting Jesus into the world. You're reflecting, uh, you know, sinful Flesh. humanity. <laughs> and I think that, to me, that's, a lot of, I think that might be one of the biggest problems with people that don't like church or don't like Jesus. I don't think it has a lot to do with Jesus. To me, it has a lot to do with their interaction with people from the church, where our community, and I'm not talking about Zion, I'm talking about the, the, the church, church as a whole. whole. Yeah. I think it, where our community has failed, where we didn't represent Jesus well. And, and that's okay. Like, we're not going to do it perfectly, but we just have to understand that there's a harmful side to community if done really poorly. Yeah. So that'd be my only real flip side. Um, and I, I do think everyone needs community. I, I do believe you cannot properly do Christianity in isolation. So. Well, there's that old, that old, uh, there's a story of Gandhi who made a comment, and I'm going to butcher the quote, I'm sure. 
He said, I like your Jesus, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are not at all like your Jesus. And like, I have friends who think Jesus is great. Jesus taught great things, but it's because we have not always represented or showed the same God. I mean, and that's throughout church history. That's the black eye to the, the body of Christ is, you know, if Jesus was doing everything through us, we'd be awesome, but he's given us autonomy and freedom to make decisions, even if those decisions make him look bad. Um, and that's, that's ultimate love. How about you? Any, any last thoughts from you guys? I don't have any. No? Awesome. No. <laughs> John, John Quiggles, any, any thoughts? Two thumbs up. All right, there we go. Well, Hey Derek, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks of this series. And, and, um, I got to tell you, as we're coming into fall, I'm really excited for what God's going to be doing in the fall. Um, we're doing a launch party on September 12th. So if you're here and we're really excited about that, um, really going to be talking about the new vision of where we're heading as a church and what we're trying to accomplish. And then I, I think what I'm most excited about is this is going to be the first year in like a long time where we've got no major, no COVID. <laughs> well, I mean, we still got COVID, but we're not shutting down. Like, I feel like we can actually hopefully praise, pray, pray it doesn't. But right now, everything seems to be, we're heading in a trajectory that we can do ministry. And this is the first time in like two years that we haven't had any major things with that. And so I'm really praying that that continues. Um, I also am excited because I think there's some partnerships coming with some other churches in the area and things that we're doing. And at some point, uh, I, I want to talk more about Love the City and kind of where we're going with that, Jennifer. And we got mission stuff. And, and for those of you who are listening, please continue to be praying for the community that's bigger than us, uh, for our Christian brothers and sisters in Haiti and Afghanistan. Um, there are those that the church is bigger than just Zion. The church is bigger than Clear Lake or the Church of America. Uh, if you're a believer in Christ, you're part of the body. And so first we need to be praying and remembering and thinking how we can support the community, church, Big C Church, um, but also how we can love and pray and support those in the world who don't know Jesus yet. And I think about the stuff going on in Haiti and in Afghanistan right now is probably the more pressing stuff because uh, it's those both happened last week. Yeah. And they're big things. And uh, we're pretty blessed to be in the country that we are and the yeah. things that God's doing. Well, hey, uh, this is Jason. I'm Megan. Eric. Jennifer. And uh, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. Thank you so much for listening, being part of this. Hey, continue to think up questions. We are going to be doing a Q&A podcast uh, where we're going we're gonna to have a way either on the app or on the website somewhere or another for people to ask questions. And we're going to do just a whole podcast episode answering questions on stuff. And we're really excited about that. Thank you for tuning in. If you found this helpful, do us a favor, share it with somebody on wherever you can listen to a podcast, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, whatever else is out there. And uh, also leave us a comment. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.